Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. Well, good morning, Todd. It's good morning. A pleasure to be here. Uh, perhaps we should begin with a prayer, and let's begin in the name of the Father, Father and the Son, Son and, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, we give you thanks for the gift of this day and for the opportunity to come together this morning collectively, Todd and I, to discuss something that's very near and dear to our hearts, and that is the sanctity of life, the um, the babies uh, in this country that are being uh, killed at an unprecedented rate. Uh, we want to certainly continue to champion the cause of the unborn uh, as we go forward. Um, and so we'll begin, uh, we'll pray the prayer that to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, enkindle them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise in ever joyous consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Today, my guest is Dr. David Roy. Doc, welcome to the show. Thank you, Todd. Pleasure to be here. Doc and I go way back. He's a true soldier for Christ. And uh, Doc, tell, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, born and raised in Baton Rouge, uh, in a Catholic, uh, Catholic setting. Um, went to LSU, got, uh, got a degree from LSU in 63, uh, got a... a degree from uh, Loyola Dental School in 67, um, and then I went into the Army for three years. Um, then I went to graduate school and got a degree in, uh, a master's degree in dentistry in the, in the field of orthodontics, and uh, came to Lafayette in uh, 1972 to begin my practice and practiced here for until I retired from full-time practice in uh, 2009. I'm married. I have four children, two grandchildren. Um, been very involved with Crisio for 30 years. And about 12 or 15 years ago, got introduced to the apostolate of the unborn. And uh, uh, that's become very near and dear to my heart, as you know. And so we both curse Esters, but we both uh, champion the cause of, of God's innocent babies. So I, uh, my brother Rusty and, and Doc are very good friends, and that's how I believe I, I met Doc for the first time. But I didn't get to know you when you were younger, and, uh, and I'm curious uh, about your faith life coming up through high school, college. When did God really touch your heart? I think God uh, touched my heart, Todd, when um, I got to Lafayette and began my uh, orthodontic practice. Mm -hmm. I was always a church goer. I uh, was raised in a in a, a warm Catholic setting, uh, my parents and I worshipped um, every Sunday, and that was pretty much the extent of it. There wasn't um, much more church going other than just the uh, Sunday obligation, and really kind of got away from, from my faith when I was at LSU and when I was in dental school, um, kind of didn't. That God, happened to me, too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> happens to a lot of us. You know, God at that time um, wasn't um, foremost in my in my uh, thoughts and in mind at that time. I was pretty much of the world. Um, 
I guess when I came to Lafayette in 1972, I uh, I made a um, a faith renewal at my at my church uh, here in Lafayette, St. Mary's. Um, at the time, Father Albert Bowman's was a pastor, and uh, that particular weekend really uh, it changed my life. Um, I became um, aware of how much uh, God loves me and how much He loves each of us, and uh, and it really truly set me free. It um, it certainly gave me a purpose in my life, and and since that time, um, I have done my best to lead a godly life. And of course, not too long after that, I made Crucio in 1989. And uh, that certainly impacted my life as well. And uh, after the uh, Crucio in 1989, Crucio 237, I felt God tugging at my heartstrings to, to give back and to perhaps uh, become involved with the apostolate of the Crucio movement. And uh, I did that. I went to leader school, uh, formation school, and then leader school and became uh, a leader in uh, 91, and so I have been involved with Crucio for the past 30 years. Just a compliment to you. I've, I wouldn't imagine what Crucio would be like without you. I've, I've been to some. I made my own in 1994, and, um, and in 2004, I'm sorry. And uh, and then I've, I've sponsored candidates who, who have been involved with you as professor and, and, re- and rector, and uh, it's just he what he's done for uh, the Cajun Catholics in Acadiana. You can't put a what a price tag on it's been he's such a blessing to our community i just want you to i want to acknowledge that with you here well thank you todd you know i think i give all the honor and glory to god you know it was god tugging at my heartstrings to perhaps uh get involved with Crucio and to give back to him what what i received from that particular graceville weekend and it's it's a labor of love uh, after 30 years i still look forward to the weekends that um I'm assigned to be involved with. In fact, uh, there's a Crucio coming up, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, and I'll be on that team. And uh, it's always such a, a, uh, an honor and pleasure to be at the center and to witness um, my faith to, um, to the men. You know, we, uh, those of us that are on the team um, for the weekends, we're referred to as professors, and not because we are learned or uh, that we're super intelligent. It has nothing to do with our intellect or anything, but it has everything to do with the fact that we profess our faith that weekend. Mm-hmm. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to evangelize and to push out into the deep and make a difference in the life uh, of those that we come in contact with. So for me, again, Curcia was like a, a conversion moment for me. And I, t- I tell the story recently about how it's like a puzzle you build in your life. And when you put that last piece in, that's your conversion moment. And uh, and then the, the, you, you you spend the rest of your life building a different puzzle that, that's very God-centered. And you put that last piece in when, when you die. That's how, what the Holy Spirit's telling me through prayer life today. But I know it's inspired you to, to have uh, a ministry. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with you now. Well, certainly continue to be involved with uh, the Crucio ministry. That's my first apostolate. Um, as I say, you know, 30 years, Todd, and um, don't regret um, one day, any, man, any minute of, of uh, what I've been invited to be a part of. And again, it's a blessing from God. And, uh, you know, we can't outdo God, Todd. We, 
we try to give back in some uh, some some humble uh, spiritual way and uh, God just loads the wagon you know he's not going to be outdone in generosity and so I, I've been so blessed to be a part of Crisillo for 30 years uh, another ministry that I uh, got involved with uh, probably 10 or probably about 12 or 15 years ago is the uh, apostolate of the unborn and it really was an offshoot of a, of a Crisillo renewal weekend that I made under the direction of Father Fry, who for many years was a spiritual director for the uh, men and women's Crisillo uh, weekends. He was invited back to uh, to give a renewal uh, for the men that had made Crisillo, uh, for the Cursey Esters, and uh, that weekend I was uh, assigned to a table uh, and joining me at that table was a man by the name of um, Rick. Um, God, I can't remember his last name. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Rick. <laughs> Tell us about what well, that Well, and, and, and he, um, during the course of the weekend, he um, said that uh, the following weekend, the weekend after our uh, procedure renewal weekend, uh, he would be going to an abortion clinic in Jackson, Mississippi, and he invited those that uh, that were sitting at the table with him to uh, to join him, and and um, I I said, listen, I'm your man. I'm, I want to go, and uh, and I did. Uh, we left uh, Bro Bridge about three three o'clock in the morning. Went to uh, the abortion clinic in Jackson, Mississippi, for a, a one day prayer vigil, and uh, it totally uh, it totally changed my life in regard to. Uh, another avenue of uh, God's ministry uh, that I felt him tugging at my heartstrings to get involved with, and I did. I made a commitment uh, that weekend to uh, to be involved with the Apostle of the Unborn and to champion the cause of God's babies whenever I could. Um, went on several prayer vigils um, with Daniel Green and his group, um, and got introduced um, shortly after that to a priest by the name of Father Norman Westland, who uh, was a late vocation. Father Westland was a um, he was a uh, lieutenant colonel in the army in charge of um, uh, war plans, and he was a paratrooper and um, was married and had two adopted children and two grandchildren. His wife was tragically killed in 1980. Uh, 1984, and with the blessing of his kids and his grandkids, he entered the, uh, the seminary and became an ordained priest in 1986, and he devoted his whole uh, priestly ministry to the unborn, and uh, went on numerous prayer vigils with him, as well as uh, the, the group from Lafayette and Bro Bridge. Um, were, they were three-day vigils, 72-hour vigils, where we would pray at an abortion clinic uh, for three days, and uh, and Louisiana are still in Mississippi, or both? well, actually, um, the the uh, three that I went on, one of them, uh, well, one was uh, the first one that I went on was in uh, Wichita, Kansas, mm. and it was uh, there was a a doctor in uh, Wichita, Kansas, that by the name of George Tilla, that was doing abortions on babies that were full term. And because it was 
uh, a law in Kansas that he could do that. And uh, so we went for a three-day vigil there. Uh, we also went to the Planned Parenthood uh, Clinic in uh, Denver uh, the day that Barack Obama was uh, nominated by the Democratic uh, Party to run for president. We wanted to pray for uh, 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 President Obama's conversion from a culture of death to a culture of life, and we also spent uh, three days in prayer at the Planned Parenthood Clinic there. And uh, and then also at, a, at the Delta Clinic in Baton Rouge, we did a three-day vigil with, uh, with Father Westland there. So I've had an opportunity to, to uh, rub elbows with some very, very godly men uh, that have been inspirations to me and especially for uh, Father Westland. Yeah, so you're listening to Cajun Catholic Radio Show. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Today's guest is Dr. David Roy, and he's given us his testimony about um, his pro-life uh, calling. And, um, Doc, uh, you know, it's a testament to the good Cajun Catholics in Acadiana. Here they are outreaching, and you specifically in Kansas, Mississippi, and all these places, uh, in Baton Rouge, and, and, and carrying the, the, the flag for the pro-life movement. Go ahead. I'll let you continue about how the story goes. Yeah. Well, Father Westland, uh, very, very holy priest, um, he was, um, again, he spent his whole priestly ministry um, ministering to the needs of the unborn. He was incarcerated over 70 times uh, for nothing more than to uh, trying to save the life of a baby. Uh, a, a tremendous pro-life warrior, uh, Todd, to say the least. Um, interesting thing about uh, Father Westland is that he was friends with uh, Father Fry. Mm -hmm. And so uh, because of their friendship, uh, Father Westland would come to Lafayette on numerous occasions and spend um, a period of time with Father Fry. And every time he would come to uh, this area, this neck of the woods, Lafayette, uh, any time that there was a crucio, either men or women's crucio, at the crucio center in Prairie Roan, Father uh, Westland would uh, would attend those crucio uh, weekends. And he was so. Uh, enamored with the conversion of the men and women from Thursday night till Sunday evening uh, that he in his book he wrote a book called The Gathering of the Lambs and on page 159 of that book he prophesied that that Louisiana would be the first state to be uh, abortion free and that uh, that also that it would begin in the Diocese of Lafayette and that it would begin with the men and women that have made Crucio. And I've wow. asked I've asked a number of priests if they feel that that prophecy is to come to fruition. And, and to a man, they say, well, you know, no one knows how God's going to work, but our faith tells us that's exactly what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Tell me the story about Malachi. I, uh, uh, anyone who's ever gone to... Uh, weekday mass at the chapel at UL or Doc's all over the place you know he, you'll see him in a t-shirt that says Malachi what's that all about well Malachi was a baby that uh, was aborted in 1973 uh, at a clinic in Dallas Texas in uh, February of 1993 he was actually um, he was found uh, by the uh, a prayer warrior group that was headed up by Father Westland, and uh, 
they had gone to this clinic in Dallas for a, a three-day vigil, Todd, and um, prayed for three days. And they noticed at the end of each workday that the clinic workers would uh, bring um, stuff out to the dumpster in the back of the clinic and, and put um, which uh, would appear to be waste products and things of that nature that would be discarded in in, in, uh, in this dumpster. Well, at the end of the third day, after the uh, clinic had closed, the doctor had left and um, the clinic workers had, had, had left. The uh, These pro-life warriors headed up by Father uh, Norman Wesley went in the back of the clinic and looked through that dumpster and what they found uh, to their horror was uh, jars and jars of uh, of babies that were frozen um, and to their horror they just they, they were just appalled at what they had seen and they knew that they couldn't uh, leave those babies in that in that dumpster so um, they took all of the all of the glass jars out uh, that were in that dumpster the way this clinic disposed of, uh, of these babies is that they would uh, upon abortion they would put them in glass jars and then put them in a freezer at the end of the work day they would take them out and put them in a garbage dumpster and and of course um, Father Westland uh, in the in the, uh, in the New York Lambs for Christ that were there doing that vigil they took all of the babies out of that dumpster and they took all the babies to a a very pro-life uh, OB doctor in Dallas by the name of Dr. McCarty. And um, he put all the body parts back together of all the babies that he could. Uh, and they gave them all a proper uh, Christian burial. Well, this one baby, Malachi, was a late-term abortion, Todd. He was uh, 21 weeks old. We know that uh, a baby that's 20 weeks old is viable which means that uh, he can live outside of the womb. Uh, all his uh, vital organs are formed. Um, all he needs is um, some intensive neonatal care, but, but he can breathe on his own. He can live on his own. And uh, yet, at 21 weeks, he was aborted. Uh, for whatever reason, his mother decided uh, she didn't want to have, uh, give birth to, uh, to this baby. Um, and again, had she gone into premature labor the day that she aborted him, he would have lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that Malachi happened to be named is that um, on the evening when they bought the, uh, all these babies to Dr. McCarty's office, uh, this one particular baby, because it was a late-term abortion, uh, he was a perfect baby boy in every way. You know, uh, again, he was uh, he was viable. He he was uh, probably weighed a less maybe about a pound or perhaps a little less than a pound that would have fit in the palm of your hand, yet a perfect baby in every way and would have, would have lived. Well, they put the, uh, Dr. McCarty put the body parts back together on this particular baby because the way these abortions are done, they're, they're dismemberment, the dismemberment uh, abortions. Uh, these, uh, these doctors, uh, so-called doctors, uh, I refer to these doctors that perform these abortions as serial killers and as mass murderers. But the the uh, this serial killer uh, mutilated this baby. He just went into the to the womb with uh, forceps and just started grabbing for body parts. And 
I want to read a quick sentence from this article. We prayed and asked God to allow this little boy to speak to our nation. We remembered the scripture in Hebrews 11.4. He still speaks even though he is dead. Yeah, you know, a picture speaks a, a thousand words, Todd, and, and certainly this baby does that. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the pro-life warriors on that particular prayer vigil, the executive secretary, who, her name was Rhonda Mackey, uh, she asked for the Westland if she could have the, uh, the privilege of naming um, this baby. And he gave her that, that honor. And, and so Rhonda Mackey prayed. She prayed. And the name that God gave her is Malachi. You know, Rhonda Mackey didn't name this baby. Rhonda Mackey prayed, but God gave her the name of Malachi. Well, as you know, Todd, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. He's the last of the 12 minor prophets. And, of course, uh, the prophetic author of that book um, was well aware that all the prophets before him had died a martyr's death, and so he feared for his life. And so he wished to conceal his identity, and so he made a proper name, uh, Malachi, out of a Hebrew word, uh, that means God's messenger. You see, Todd, Malachi is not even a proper noun. Uh, the author of the prophetic book of Malachi, again, wished to remain anonymous because he feared for his life. And, uh, and so um, he, uh, he came up with this, with this particular Hebrew word. Again, uh, it's a Hebrew expression uh, that means God's messenger. So God named this baby. And so Malachi is God's messenger, Todd. And look what Satan did to God's messenger. Satan disguised as an OB doctor in an abortion clinic in Dallas, Texas, mutilated this baby and uh, disposed of him, froze, put, him, put his, parts, his body parts into a glass jar, put him in a freezer. And then at the end of the workday, put his put him frozen in this glass jar in a garbage dumpster. And what's happening in this country, Todd, is it's, it's barbaric. Well, let's talk about what we can do about it. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Show with Dr. David Roy as our guest today. And, Doc, you know, this story uh, continues, and I want, I, don't, I want to, while we have some time, uh, talk about where we are in this process now because we can mobilize all the good Cajun Catholics in Acadiana. This is, this is something that um, we feel like the Blessed Mother has ordained for us. And tell us a little bit about how that story goes. Well, Father Westland in his book, The Gathering of the Lambs, uh, states that at the appointed time, uh, Jesus will send the Blessed Mother to earth and she's going to take into battle the church militant, you and I, as well as uh, all of our uh, Roman Catholic uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, she's going to mobilize us into an army armed only with our rosaries, and she's going to take us into battle, and she's going to absolute crush Satan's head like it was a walnut. But in the meantime, Todd, how many more babies are going to have to die? In Father Westland's book, he emphasizes the need for the uh, faithful to actually go to the, uh, the abortion clinics to pray. Uh, we can pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament, making a holy hour. We can pray in the comfort of our home. We can pray a rosary, and those prayers are very, very powerful. But they're still not as powerful as the prayers that are said at the abortion clinics. And so um, now that I'm retired and I have a camp at Toledo Bend, I'm up there quite a bit. But 
when I'm in Lafayette, I make every effort every Saturday to go to the uh, Delta Abortion Clinic uh, for a, uh, a, a one-hour prayer vigil. And uh, what Father Westland says in his book is that when the prayers uh, by the faithful are said at the clinic, that the demons that reside that reside inside the clinic, and there are multiple uh, multiple demons. There's a lot of minions uh, mm-hmm. uh, in those clinics, and that when the prayers are said outside of the clinic, that those uh, those demons are, are wounded. Okay, uh, I wanted to put a plug in for sure you the one put it on my heart to go see unplanned and it came in lafayette for a little while everyone needs to see that that show i I hope that all high school kids grade school kids it's 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 very life-changing it's right on what we're talking about i want you to uh while we still have some time talk a little bit about our lady from homa and how that plays into a little confirmation on what we're doing well there's a lady in uh, homa uh actually she lives in a little town called terrio in the homa diocese but her name is Claire Rose uh, Champagne. Uh, Claire Rose is in her middle to late 70s at this time, but when she, since uh, age 12, she has been receiving uh, visitations from the Blessed Virgin Mary. And, uh, and over the years um, of these visitations to Claire Rose, uh, at one point in time, the Blessed Mother invited Claire Rose to invite the faithful, you and I, uh, to go to Terrio, uh every on the uh, last Sunday of every uh, last Saturday of every month uh, for a uh, prayer vigil, and uh, I started doing that probably about ten to twelve years ago. And during the uh, during the recitation of the Rosary, the Blessed Mother would actually appear to uh, Claire Rose. We couldn't see her, but uh, Claire Rose would be seating. It would be seated. Uh, in in the group, say in the rosary, um, holding a legal pad in her hand, and she would take notes of what the Blessed Mother uh, was conveying to her. And the messages were pretty much for the for the uh, laity, for those of us that were there. There was always a number of priests that would be at those um, those Saturday vigils, and um, and she would always have a message for them. So I know that uh, actually the. Um what was her message? What's her message to us and well, the, to you? Well, the message, um, uh, the message that was sent uh, to, uh, to Claire Rose uh, is that the Blessed Mother wants Louisiana to be the first abortion-free state. Uh, the Blessed Mother uh, has a very special place in our heart for us, uh, for us Cajuns. Um, you know, she loves all of uh, her, her sons and daughters, but... I think there's a real special place in, in the Blessed Mother's heart for South Louisiana because uh, we're aliens, Todd. We, we were exiled out of <laughs> Nova Scotia because of our Roman Catholic faith and the persecutions from the British. And so the majority of those uh, Cajuns came to uh, South Louisiana. And so there's a, a special place uh, in, in the heart uh, of the Blessed Mother for us for us Cajuns, the Blessed Mother loves her some Kunai. <laughs> I she, love it. And she, she wants Louisiana to be the first abortion-free state, so we have to uh, we have to put on the armor of, of Jesus every day and, and join uh, the Blessed Mother's army because at the point in time, she's going to come to earth and she's going to crush Satan's head like it was a walnut, and she wants us to be in that number. I love it. So uh, part of the message also I want to mention is that we carry a message to Governor Jindal, and it was at the time it was for him. Now I think 
she still wants that message to carry out. It's something I'm trying to help you with. So if any of our listeners out there have access to Governor Jindal, we, uh, Dr. Roy's got a, a pro-life message. Y'all can reach out to me that we need to get to him. And uh, Louisiana's got a, a big chance to be the next abortion, the first abortion-free state in, in, in the whole country. So it's been such a blessing to have Doc on the, uh, on the Cajun Catholic show. We always say bring out the energize the Cajun Catholic in you. He's done that. We're featuring outstanding Catholics from all over Acadiana, and certainly it's been a blessing to have you here today. I love you. God bless you. Thank you, Todd. I love you too, my brother.